brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that shares your values. More information is available at CharityMobile.com. The Synod of Synodality continues to be a slow burning, stinky dumpster fire that most of the Catholic world is doing its very best to ignore, which is a serious mistake because what Rome allows to happen in Germany will make its way to the rest of the universal church in just a few short years. That's kind of how things have happened in the past, and that's how it'll probably happen again, without a doubt, especially since Francis endorsed their weird behavior some time ago. Now, in a continuing show of what the battle and the rest of the institutional church looks like, the moderate modernists and the hyper-modernists are engaged in a battle over the heart and soul of the conciliar church, while the rest of us who simply want the real faith are left waiting to see how bad things are going to be in the end. One bishop has stood up and said that the hyper-modernists need to slow their roll a little bit, but he invokes modernist language and values to make his point, which is kind of the core of the problem. Let's get a closer look at this story. I've long called the Synod on Synodality an exercise by the modernists to foist upon the entire church their weird neo-Protestant theology. They're not satisfied with leaving their achievements at Vatican II as the status quo and shoring them up. No, instead, they seek to further change things in the church in the name of the spirit of Vatican II. To that end, the Bishop of Regensburg, Germany, has cautioned participants of the Synod to not get too carried away. Not in the name of traditional Catholic orthodoxy or anything remotely like that, but in the name of his conservative reading of Vatican II. Note his use of language that ought to be concerning to those of us paying attention, namely his references here, from what I'm about to read to you, to the so-called previous church teaching on various issues. This very short piece comes from Cath.net, which has been diligent in recording the internal battles in Germany between the moderate modernists and the hypermodernists. Headline. Basic Criticism from Bishop Voderholzer of the German Synodal Path. From the article, quote, Rudolf Voderholzer, Bishop of Regensburg, expresses fundamental criticism of the German Synodal Path, and himself also a member of the Synodal Assembly in the Würzburg Tagespost. He addressed the issue that only a very one-sided selection of theologians is represented in the relevant forms of the Synodal Path, and that different voices were not called from the outset, or that different theological voices were denied academic dignity. There is an inbuilt resistance against the different theological positions, e.g. also through a non-transparent appointment procedure of the application commissions, through which largely the authors of the texts themselves sit in judgment on the criticism of the texts and recommend the acceptance or rejection of critical objections with their authority. Voderholzer classified it as a necessary that, with regard to biblical anthropology, the Catholic teaching of the sacraments, the teaching of the Church as an apostolic and as such also synodal church, the valid ecclesiastical teaching is brought up. Then, with regard to the shaping of the coexistence of man and woman, he recalled that the theology of the body must be received and applied, as it was formulated by Pope John Paul II as a clear further development of the previous Church teaching. He cautioned, contrary to the repeated assertions that these are legitimate further developments, in the sense of De Verbum number 8, in most cases we are dealing with real breaks and paradigm shifts. The Bishop of Regensburg also recalled that Pope Francis also attaches importance to the fact that in the synodal processes the teaching of the Church should be regarded as a foundation, and not as a subject to be decided upon. 
Last but not least, Voter Holzer pointed out that the statutes of the Synodal Path at least stipulated that the bishops must approve the texts with a two-thirds majority so that they can be considered adopted from the Synodal Path. In this way, the bishops still have the opportunity to exercise their teaching office in the questions of faith that are up for debate by deciding accordingly. In this way, Voter Holzer expressly makes the bishops represented in the Synodal Path responsible. Voter Holzer has also expressed fundamental criticism of the Synodal Path and even received the approval of Cardinal Walter Casper, among others. End quote. What an endorsement. The bishop is warning that there is a real break from the faith happening in Germany. This isn't that surprising. Just yesterday, I reported on the outlandish claim by the aptly named Cardinal Marx that the fundamental moral truths of the Catholic faith are not written in stone and can be changed. Bishop Strickland stated without reservation the obvious that Cardinal Marx had left the faith and should resign. If he doesn't repent of his errors, he should do just that and take the vast majority of the German bishops with him. Moderate modernists are bad enough, but these fringe actors are a real danger to the integrity of the faith for the typical German Catholic and, by extension, for the church as a whole. These radical innovations never stay in their country of origin. They spread quickly throughout the entire church to some degree or another. That's how communion in the hand was done, as was girl altar boys and the use of secular music in the mass. This will be little different in any meaningful way. Now, for those not aware, the Germans are pushing for the church to accept the Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit church issue in the church, as well as ordaining pretty much everyone the secular world tells us to ordain, as well as letting the laity choose their own bishop as if the church was some secular political institution. It's not even remotely Catholic what they're doing in their synod, but that's not stopping them. But he's not alone. Where there's one unrepentant public heretic, there's always another in close proximity. I've reported on Bishop Botzing of Germany numerous times. He's sort of the de facto head of the German Synodal Way, and he was unrepentantly called for the church to change its teaching, and all those issues as well as a few others. And he has the tacky habit of dressing like a Protestant minister instead of as a Catholic bishop. But at least he's fully dressed here because he has spoken about his bathing suit vacations, whatever that means. From Mesa and Latina, we get this. Headline. Botzing, the bishop who wants to demolish the catechism in slip. Now, I used a Chrome extension to translate that piece, and the translation of that headline leaves a little bit to be desired, but I think they meant that he wants to demolish the catechism while in a speedo. And you're going to see why. From the article, quote, He boasts of his bathing suit vacations and speeding tickets, but in his latest interview, the president of the German Bishops' Conference also says that Jimmy Martin pairings are fine, as long as they are faithful, while the catechism must change because of the church's teaching is behind the times. Could the image of a bishop in a bathing suit get fined for speeding help people reconnect with the church? This must have been thought by Monsignor George Botzing, Bishop of Lumberg and President of the German Bishops' Conference, who let himself go in a glossy interview given to the Bunte, a German weekly people. The prelate revealed some unusual aspects of himself to the journalist Manfred Otzelberger, such as the passion for beach holidays with friends during which he claimed to go around in a bathing suit, and driving a Peugeot 308, on which he is also pinched by speeding cameras. These picturesque confessions, however, will be more reassuring to someone in Rome than the rest of the interview. In it, in fact, Botzing bluntly supported the, the demands of the most radical groups of the church, and which have already found ample space in the German Synodal Way. When Otzelberger objected that the moral teaching of the church is behind the times, the head of the bishops of Germany agreed with him, declaring peremptorily, we must change part of the catechism on marital relations. In the interview, Botzing argued that James Martin pairings are fine if in fidelity and responsibility, and praised former state minister Jean Spahn calling him a good Catholic. 
not accidental example. The CDU politician, in fact, civilly united with his partner and in the past complained that no Catholic priest wanted to bless them as a couple. In a country like Germany, the scene of the revolt of hundreds of priests who have decided to bless James Martin Parings to protest against the responsum of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, the praise of Spahn in a specific question on the subject would seem to have a rather unambiguous interpretation. In a later reply, however, Botzing went on to deal a blow to priestly celibacy, saying he was eager to see its abolition. According to the head of the German Bishops' Conference, the presence of married priests would enrich the church, since marriage and the family do not contradict being a Christian. Where the bishop's celibacy is simply unusual, there is also an endorsement for the introduction of the female priesthood, hoping that the diaconate could be a first step. Advocating the cause of women priests, Batzing said that many feel this vocation within themselves, and that the tradition that it is always a man to preside no longer attracts. Evidently, the head of the German bishops must not have listened greatly to the appeal addressed to him by his Polish counterpart, Monsignor Stanislaw Gadecki, who had written him a letter published last February 22nd, in which he asked him to avoid repeating trite slogans and standard requests such as the abolition of celibacy, the priesthood of women, communion for the divorced and remarried, or the blessing of James Martin Parings. End quote. So let's review. Bishop Strickland says Cardinal Marx must resign, since he doesn't have the faith anymore. Can we add Bishop Botsing to that, please? Or would that be inappropriate? I normally refrain from passing anything even resembling personal judgment on the state of a person's soul, but in this case, it's obvious that he and the vast majority of you watching this and I don't have the same faith. He is a neo-Protestant. He is an open rebellion against the church's timeless moral teaching, and has embraced not just relativism, but some form of wicked ideology that allows for the gospel to be rejected. It's too bad that Francis endorsed the German Synodal Project, otherwise Rome might consider doing something about it. I know, I know, that's a delusional hope, but I still hope that someday someone there will do the right thing. But if you think that's bad, I have something for you that's just tone deaf. From LaCroix, headline, Catholic bishops in the Holy Land launch a Synod app, a high-tech effort to reach out to young Catholics and those who have drifted away from the church, offering them a chance to join the Synodal process. Ah oh, yes, we're truly in good hands. What could anyone who left the church want more than to sit in meetings about bringing the church up to date with the current standards of the world again? From that article, quote, Describe the church of your dreams in a 30-second message? That's what the Latin Patriarchate of Jerusalem is offering Catholics of the Holy Land with its new Synod app. The novel idea was presented on March 23rd during a meeting of the Assembly of the Catholic Ordinaries of the Holy Land. The goal is to allow all Catholics in these territories to express their desires in the context of the upcoming Synod of Bishops' Assembly on the future of the Church. At the helm is Father Piotr Zelasko, head of the Vicariate of St. James in Jerusalem. When I read the preparatory document for the Synod, two elements caught my attention. The invitation to not rely on existing structures and the call to listen to the faithful who are farther away from the Church, he said. And to do this, he felt the need to innovate, to dig up for new approaches. Through prayer and reflection, the idea of creating an app took hold. Simple and effective. The app is available in English and Arabic, and it doesn't beat around the bush. Once downloaded, users can leave a message for Pope Francis simply by clicking on record a message. Name and surname are optional. The idea is to make it as easy as possible for people who are less likely to attend parishes to participate in the synodal process. Imagine someone who doesn't want to come to the Synod prep meetings, but who, while passing by a church, sees a poster with information about the Synod app. That person can go home, download the app, and record his or her message, explains Alasco. This gives the person a chance to also express themselves, the priest said. 
He is especially hopeful that this will entice young Catholics to participate. We often complain that young people are always glued to their phones and become isolated. I hope that this app will allow us to better understand each other, he added. End quote. What could possibly go wrong? You know, I've worked in places where things were going pretty badly and people started coming up with sad ideas out of desperation, and this seems right to fit in perfectly with that. Do you want advice on how the church run be run by those who left the faith for secularism? Again, what could possibly go wrong with that? At least the bishop admitted that he was innovating, which is at least something. Admitting to heterodox thinking is the first step to admitting that there is a problem. Too bad it never comes to mind for these bishops that what most people who leave the faith want is actual Catholic orthodoxy. I hope they figure it out someday. I'll close with this. What even the moderate bishops are proposing in Germany is a break from the truths of the faith. They are presenting a distortion of the concept of a development of doctrine as evidenced through their use of terminology like previous church teachings, as if the teachings of the church can never change. Dom Prosper Geringer described what a true development of doctrine looks like when he stated, quote, It is a fundamental principle of theology that all revealed truths were confided to the church at the beginning, that some were explicitly proposed for our belief from the start, whereas others, although contained implicitly in the first set of truths, only emerged from them with the passage of time, by means of formal definitions rendered by the church with the assistance of the Holy Ghost, through whom she is infallible, end quote. In other words, doctrine only really develops when it makes the existing truths of the faith clearer. It is not a change in church teaching. Church teaching does not change, no matter how much people want to try to make it change. Church teaching simply grows. And that is the crux of the problem of our age in the church, a belief that truth changes over time. By definition, the truth cannot change. The truth is pretty rigid and inflexible in that way. But what do I know? I'm just a guy with a webcam. I'm more interested in what you have to say about this, so let me know in the comments what you think of all this. Are the Catholics in Germany on the verge of going into full apostasy? Let me know and like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.